You know, my topic is wisdom of the ages to overcome discouragement and depression. And that's a good thing to put a Jewish guy in charge of talking about. (laughs) Because, you know, I used to like watching Woody Allen films before everything got a little crazy. But, you know, there's something about the suffering that Jews face (laughs) that makes some funny things come out. And uh, so here I am. And hi there, it's good to see you. It's going to be an awesome thing that we talk about here as we talk about overcoming discouragement and and depression. And um, I'm an example of this. I'm I'm someone who lived in a family, lives in a family that basically every single person that I could think of for several generations uh, was depressed and uh, was on medication I myself, if I, if I didn't learn some of the things that I've learned by the grace of God, would absolutely be on medication right now. Some of you think I should be on medication, <laughs> but I'm not. My wife sometimes thinks, no. <laughs> but um, it, I'm a testimony that, that you can come out of this history of depression and discouragement and grab hold of the truths of Christ today. And uh, I just encourage you, if you're struggling with this, to grab hold of these truths because they are for you in your life today. It's awesome. So discouragement it feels like this terrible headwind. You ever walk into a headwind? You ever walk uphill into a headwind? You're just kind of walking and walking. And it's just, there's just this resistance and that's what life can feel like sometimes. Like, why aren't I succeeding? Why aren't I happier? Why, why are things disappointing me? Why, why, why? And, and there's this resistance that pushes against you where you start getting discouraged about something in your life. Maybe that's you here today. You're discouraged. And depression is kind of the continuation of this discouragement. It kind of builds and builds until it's a little overwhelming and consuming. It's depleting. It feeds upon itself to where, where you kind of feel like you lose your sense of well-being. And that's the way I felt in my life in several, several occasions when I did not understand this or did not apply these principles. Depression expresses itself in sadness, anxiety, emptiness. I felt empty for many years. I just felt like a, just a shell. I think that there's a lot of people in this world that, that feel like that. They just don't feel whole. They don't feel fully alive. And a lot of times it's because of uh, discouragement or depression. Hopelessness. Helplessness. The understanding of depression is is kind of a sensitive thing to look at because, um, you know, there's this one side about depression that is it's all medical, it's all physiological, and you just take a pill and then you start feeling better. And there is a part of depression in my experience. I'm not a doctor, but in my experience, there is a part of depression when it gets hold of you that things do happen physiologically. Many things can happen physiologically. You get sleepless. You get tired. 
And then I do believe because of increased depression in your life that there could be chemical imbalances. Again, I'm not a doctor, but, but you know, on my own experience, I think that that happens. So here's this one aspect of depression. It's physiological. The other aspect of depression is that it's spiritual. And this is an interesting direction to go. And I think the problem with both these sides is that many times they are exclusive to each other. And that's what I want to correct here today before we get into my five points that I think will be helpful to you. It is not just a physiological event. And it is not just a spiritual event. When you're feeling discouraged or you're feeling depressed, it is probably a mixture of both. The person that relies completely on it being physiological, just physical, just chemicals, only has a medicine to work with and is in danger of not addressing the root issue. The person over here that says it's spiritual oftentimes feels terrible guilt. Like, why aren't I feeling better? And makes it actually worse. But I think when you put the two together, and I think they, they work well together depending on your circumstances, that it is a helpful thing. So I, I want to just root out the lie that, that you might have heard in the past that if you're a Christian, you shouldn't take medication for things. But I also want to root out the lie on the other side that if you're sick, emotionally sick, that you should take a pill for it and that will take it away because it doesn't address the root issue. Both together is a good combination. Does that make sense? Good. All right, so we're going we're gonna to talk about God's heart first because he has a heart for us that is just incredible. And in first service, I was just looking around and I was seeing the people that were, that were here and I was looking at, at them and thinking about their lives. I don't know everybody's life, but I know some people's lives. And, and I, was just, I was just thinking, God has a heart to give you hope for your situation. And this is the picture of God's heart of hope. It is the scripture that he used to speak to the world of what his calling was as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted today? There's a lot of people in this world that are brokenhearted. You know, when, when, when you're sinned against, that sin rattles in your soul for decades without the grace of God to bring healing. And it's something that we have to address. And God addresses it. He came to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn. Today, there are people here that are mourning the loss of someone they love or mourning the loss of something they hoped for 
in their life. God wants to comfort you today. Can you agree with that? And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Discouragement and depression bring despair. A despair that it's very hard to get out of the pit from. But God has given us the tools. And if you use these tools, if you grab hold of these tools, just like what I've experienced in my life, You will not get away from negative circumstances, but you will walk in victory through them. You can do that. I'm the poster child for it. You can do it. So let's look at these five points. And and before that, I just want to pray. I just want to pray that your heart would be open because it is so easy to just close down and it's easy to deny, and I'll talk about it a little more in a minute, to deny the issues and to say, uh, you know, I'm okay and I don't want to deal with this subject. Or it's easy to just not believe and to have this wall up. So I just, is it all right if we just pray right now and just invite the Lord in? Lord, we just come before you right now and we ask God that your Holy Spirit would move upon us today. We desperately need what you have. We thank you that you give us hope. And the Bible says that that hope does not disappoint. Throughout eternity, your hope does not disappoint. And so even today, those that need hope can find hope, a hope that does not disappoint, a hope that moves upon their hearts and heals them and comforts them and binds them up in a good way. Open our hearts to be able to receive today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, five things, and I only got to three in first service, so don't get mad if we only get to three or four. The first one is restore truth. And I used the, uh, the prefix R-E because it's very important. When, when you're struggling with discouragement or depression, you've lost sight of things. And so... I just want to encourage you, you need to get a hold of this again. Get a grip of these things again. These are not new things. These are things that we know and that we can grab hold of. So that's why I use the prefix re, that it would be restored to us. We would be renewed by these truths. The first is restore truth. What you believe is important to emotional health. For me, When I was a young boy at the age of nine, I heard that the man that was closest to me in my life, the most important man in my life, my grandfather, had died suddenly, out of the blue. He was 54. I was away. People had to come and get me to hear about my grandfather dying of a massive heart attack. And what it did to me formed a lot of what happened in those next years because I lost hope and I didn't know God. I didn't understand God. All I knew is that someone I loved desperately died when I was nine years old and after death, I did not know God and so I did not know hope. And so I thought you live, you die, that's it. 
And I don't know about you, but for me, that is about the most disconcerting thought that you could ever have at any age, especially the age at nine. And so I had to go to therapy. They didn't have medications yet, otherwise I would have been on them. But I was a mess. It was a terrible, terrible depression that I went through because of the loss of my grandfather. I did not have hope. I was so discouraged. Depression can set in when we believe lies about us, God, or others. And so we must restore truth for us to be able to resist the discouragement and resist the depression. And a great scripture to look at is 2 Corinthians 10. It says, the weapons we fight with, this is important. It's talking about weapons, okay? This is a war. Do you agree? It's a war of our minds when it comes to truth. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Strongholds. These are lies that we believe that we are, we are in bondage to in our life. I've had so many of them. The one I just described to you was one of them, that there is no hope, that after death there is nothing. So what is the purpose of living? What is the purpose of trying to excel and do anything if you die and that's it? That was a stronghold in my mind that brought depression even at the age of nine to me as a young boy. Arguments and pretensions against the knowledge of God. Things that we would not understand about God. And because of that, they would, they would be walls against God and walls against his truth. But what does the Bible says? Use the weapons that we have. And what is the weapon? Take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. What's the obedience of Christ? The truth of Christ is the obedience of Christ. Take every thought captive to the truth of Christ. You can do that. This has been one of the most radical tools that I've ever used in my life is to understand that there are there is an enemy out there that is lying to me. The Bible says that the, the, the devil's native language is what? Lying. I mean, think about it. How many of you have a second language? Not too many, right? So we all have a native language, and we stumble in everything else. And hopefully you're slightly fluent in English, like I stumble through, right? But he is incredibly fluent in lying, He lies to us like no one else can. He's been practicing it for thousands of years. His greatest tool is the lie that will discourage us. And so we must take captive our thoughts to the truth of God. Now, What I'm not saying here, and this is really important for you to get, I am not saying that you should ignore your emotions. When I became a Christian, I basically was taught, 
and it's an erroneous thought, I believe, that you should not, that you should not trust your emotions. I think that that's, that's right in one sense. You should not trust your emotions to go with them, but you should recognize that emotions are God's warning device for us that we are about to burn ourselves or we have burned ourselves and that we need help. It's a warning device, like a smoke detector in our house. And so when we have these emotions, instead of just going with them, which is the wrong, uh, wrong course to take, we need to accept them. I'm feeling discouraged now. I'm angry now. I'm sad now. That's an okay thing to do. And then to bring it to God. So let's look at an example of that. And this is, this is David in Psalm 13. He just cries out to the Lord. He says, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Can you just hear the cry of God? Have you ever thought that yourself? You don't have to raise your hand. I know we've all thought that at some point. How long will you hide your face from me? Where are you, God, in the midst of my discouragement, in the midst of my problem? Where are you? But then he says just a couple verses later, but, and this is the important thing, because many times we will stay in the where are you, which is not the place you want to stay. But, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he is good to me. That's not denying what's true. That's affirming what's true in light of some of the emotions that you have, which seem to go the other way. And so we must do this. You are not a prisoner to your emotions. You are not a prisoner to your thoughts. Do you know that your brain is not your boss? Have you ever heard that thought before? It's kind of strange to think about. Your brain is not your boss. The things that you think, the things that are coming from here might not be the thing that you want to run the show right now. Don't loiter in these lies. The more you loiter in these lies, the more you allow your brain to be the boss and to hold on to these lies that the artful enemy will throw at you, the easier it is for you to now identify with these and think that that's who I am. You're, if you hear the lie that you're a loser your whole life, whether it's through people or through yourself, or through the enemy, or all of those, guess what? If you loiter in that lie, you're going to believe at some point. You're going to identify with it. I'm a loser. And that is so not true. But when you loiter in these lies, when you allow your brain, your thoughts to be the thing that rules you, you can be in big trouble. So don't allow your brain to do that. Take your thoughts captive to truth. You can do that. I'm giving you the emancipation prop. I tried to say that right. <laughs> that was not in my notes. I probably shouldn't have said it. Let's try it again. Oh, emancipation proclamation. 
for the Christian life is that you are not subject to the lies that are in here or brought to you from out here. You could grab hold of the truth of God and realize that that is real, and it's more real than the lies. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's what you can do. Submit yourself to God's truth. Resist the devil's lies, and he's gone. How many of you need that today in your life in an area? We do. We need it. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. And so you have a choice. Are you going to think truth? Are you going to restore truth as your reality? Or are you going to allow the lies that everything else throws at you to be the thing that you choose as true? It's your choice. I don't know about you, but those lies are very damaging. They've done me great damage in my life. I want the truth. How about you? The next re is remember God is good. Remember God is good. I know that in my life, I have always thought that I was the exception to the thought that God is good. He's good for everybody else, but I don't know. I just don't think I'm, I don't think he likes me. I just don't think he does. I don't think he's good for me. I don't, I, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know you've thought this. It's like, oh, well, I see him being good to that person and good to that person. Why isn't he being good to me? And I questioned it. And it just brought me to a very dark place because that, again, is a lie in itself. To not recognize that God is good is a terrible lie. It is the first lie, a matter of fact. And if you look, if you look in Genesis, you see where this lie formed. It is the genesis of lies is right here because we see that Eve is looking at this, this fruit and just wondering about it and thinking, gee, should I eat it? And what does the devil say? He says, after Eve says, no, God said I'll die, that this is a bad thing. And what does the devil say? Is, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The devil impugned the character of God, the nature of God, the goodness of God. That's the first thing he did. Do you think we should get a hold of this reality? This is his lie that God is not good. And I proclaim to you today that God is good. The devil is a liar. We do not have to accept this. That's what he said to them. And look what happened. Do you want that in your life? We already experienced too much pain from action on that lie, right? We don't need any more. God is good. Is there something in your life that is happening that is causing you to question this truth of God's goodness in your life? You're struggling with something. You're dealing with some issues. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe, maybe it's just hope 
that you're, you know, you just wish things were different. You've been working towards different results and, and you, you have this headwind in your life and God is good. He has his best for you no matter what you think, no matter what you experience. That is reality. It is not deception to know that God is good and he is good for you. It says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's a great part about faith. And he says, because anyone who comes to him must believe. So this is kind of elements of faith, okay? Everyone who comes to him must do two things. He must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. He exists, and he's a rewarder. He exists. He is all-powerful, almighty, righteous, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he exists. He is powerful, and that power has a purpose, and we need to know it because it's about this point. His power is that he is a rewarder to those who seek him out. He is good. He has all the power to accomplish his goodness in your life. Do you believe that? It's interesting because we we say, we know this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We've heard this a thousand upon thousand upon thousand of times. Even today, you're saying, I've heard this before. But when we're in the midst of circumstances, too often that understanding is a theoretical understanding of God's goodness and not a practical living out of that truth. And today, I want to encourage you, and today we're going to pray that it is a practical working out of the truth of God, that he is good in your life, and that maybe for the first time ever in your life, you're going to believe that God is all-powerful and that he's going to use that power for your good. Nothing can stop him. He has all the power to accomplish everything everything he wants for you, and that is good. It says in Romans, again, Abraham did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do everything he had promised. He has all power to do everything he promised. What is that promise? Reward, good, his goodness for you. I hope you get this because this is one of the greatest problems that we face in discouragement, in situations in our lives, is that we, we, we just think either God, he can't do anything about my situation and about how I feel, or he won't that he doesn't care. I'm here to tell you he cares. And I'm here to tell you he has all the power to bring that care and concern into your heart and to bring you hope today where you're discouraged or you're depressed. How many of you need that today? You don't have to raise your hand. God is good. God is good. 
The psalmist says in 104, praise the Lord, O my soul. I want to give you an exercise. It's called praise. Here he's saying, he's saying to his soul, praise the Lord, soul. He's right in the middle of this difficult circumstance. Praise the Lord, soul. Is that spiritual denial? No, that is spiritual reality. That's spiritual nitty gritty. Get a grip. This is real. God loves you, and he has all the power to accomplish his goodness in your life. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, regardless of what's going on in my life. Amen. Okay, the next point is refocus circumstances. Refocus circumstances. In my life, one of the circumstances that did me, that caused me to be really depressed before I knew the Lord was uh, being single. And uh, what I'm saying first is that being single does not have to be depressing. It shouldn't be depressing. It's a wonderful condition in your life, and God's going to use it in wonderful ways. But because I didn't have these tools then, or I wasn't using them then, I was very alone in my heart, and I didn't allow God's truth and reality to come in about my circumstance. And because of that, it it caused me great sadness and discouragement. Circumstances can speak pretty loud if we let them to. Have you noticed that? A matter of fact, oftentimes circumstances can speak louder than we think truth is speaking. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Circumstances and the things that happen in our life are things that oftentimes drive us. They drive us emotionally. They drive our decision-making. But they shouldn't speak this loud to us. And there's a good example of this in the Scripture. Elijah. Elijah had an amazing encounter with God where he ended Baal worship in Israel. There were these idols, these Baals. I don't know what they looked like, but they must have been pretty nasty. And, and there was this terrible sin of Israel because Israel was supposed to worship God and God alone. You know, we have different idols here today. You know, I, I, I joke, but it's, but it's a problem. No, it isn't. I'm kidding. It's my barbecue as an idol because I love to cook. and <laughs> It's a new barbecue and it has all these cool gadgets. <laughs> but here was these idols and Elijah destroyed them. And then because he destroyed them, rain came in the, uh, the drought ended and rain came. So here he comes off this great victory. Now, the only problem is, is that um, Jezebel, the wife of the king, liked idols. And so she was really mad at Elijah. So she is sending people to kill him. So now, here he is. He comes off this great high. Isn't this just like circumstances, right? You come off this great high, and then here it is, this terrible thing, and it's just just like that. It switches, and you're this miserable, awful person. I just don't want to live. And that's exactly what he said. It says he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he would die. He just did this incredible miracle with God. 
And here he is ready to die. And he, he said, I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. I've said that to myself. I've never thought I will kill myself, but I have wished it many times in my depression and my discouragement. And that has done great damage to me. Because, as we'll see, it's never as bad as it looks. It's never as bad as it looks. Why? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's why. That's why it's never as bad as it looks. You could point to any circumstance in your life and you could say it's not as bad as it looks because of that cross. And you would be saying the truest thing you could say about your circumstances. So here he is. He wants to die. And God sends him out on a trip. And he's, he's on this trip. And, and God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And God said for him to go to the mountain. And he said his presence is going to pass by. So first... Here he is, discouraged and alone. And he's at this mountain. And God sends this powerful wind. And the wind blows, and it blows. And it's the circumstances that he's facing. And the Bible says that God was not in the wind. Well, what do you think was in the wind? It was the lies. It was the, it was the loudness of his circumstances that were blowing in his face at that very moment. And God was not in the wind, it says. And then he sends an earthquake. Shaking. Your circumstances can shake your life, can't they? They can shake your soul down to your very soul. But God was not in the earthquake. Today, I want to tell you, if your soul has been shaken, God is not in that. He is in something else. And then the fire came, burning you, the damage that is done from the burning of your circumstances and your soul. God was not in the fire. God was in the quiet, still voice. And what did he say? What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you in this place of despair? This is not my will for your life. Why are you here? This is the heart of Jesus, folks. You do not have to be here. I hope you hear this. And then he complains to God and he says, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord. I've done everything I can. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. My circumstances stink. They're awful. They can't get any worse. And God says, go back. Go back and know that I have reserved 7,000 that have not bent their knee to Baal. You think your circumstances are real what you see? That is not the case. They are never as bad as you think they are because of the cross of Christ. And so you can grab hold of this truth and not allow the wind, the fire, the earthquake to shake your life, the circumstances of your life to shake your life. Refocus your circumstances. Grab hold of the reality that the cross has happened and you are a beneficiary of it. The way you deal with your circumstances is three ways. First, you want to look historically. You could look at this circumstance of Elijah. You could look at Elisha when his servant was afraid and fearful because there was an army that was too big for them to fight. And Elisha said to, to, to God, please show my servant so he's not afraid. And God pulled back the heavens and there were the chariots of fire. What chariots of fire are behind your circumstances that you don't recognize? Is this true? Look historically. There are so many examples of this in the scripture. How, how in anybody's right mind can they smile with the joy of the Lord as they're being stoned to death after just starting their ministry like Stephen without understanding that his circumstances are different than what he sees in front of him. And they are different for you. Can you believe that for yourself? Because it is true. And then you could look presently at your circumstances and see this. You can apply it to that. And you can also look futuristically. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Doesn't that seem like our life sometime? Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul got this. He understood that his circumstances, his outward circumstances, does not determine his hope level, his future. For our light and momentary troubles. Come on, you guys. Here was a guy who, you know, he came to faith in Christ and he was thrown out of his position. He was poor at that point and, and he was... He went from city to city, and they tried to kill him many times, and he was almost stoned to death several times, and he suffered, and he called these light and momentary troubles. Why? Because he looked futuristically at what was to come. What comes? An eternity in the blessing of God. An eternity in the blessing of God. So we fix our eyes, he says, not on what is seen in front of us right now, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. How many are excited about that? 
but what is unseen is eternal. You can grab hold of the unseen in the middle of this crazy world and you can be set free from discouragement and depression. Today, today, God wants to do that in your life. We may say that we have justified reasons for being depressed and you truly may have some painful circumstances. I will not deny that. People do not, when they come to Christ, go to heaven right away where there are no painful circumstances. That's the only place. We walk through and we walk through in the victory of God. And where, where Paul is talking about, we have this treasure in earthen vessels and that, that we're, we're um, battered but we're not destroyed. He says, so that the glory of God can be revealed in us. There is a reason for this. I just want to close with that. So let's have the worship team come up or a musician. Sounds good. Hi, musician. God wants to touch your heart tonight. He truly does. He wants to speak to you about the hope that he has for you, which is found in his all-powerful nature, which is good for you. You can't allow these lies to control you because they will destroy you. That is exactly what lies are for, destruction. He wants to disable you. If he can't destroy you, he will disable you if he can. But you've gotten some tools today that can make a big difference in your life. Why don't you close your eyes with me? I sense the Lord speaking today to you. I think he's speaking to some hearts right now. Some people that have lost hope. They've lost hope because of circumstances in their life or lies that they believed or starting to believe that God is not good or his goodness is not for them for some reason. I just want to speak to you right now. God is good. God is good. Let him speak to your spirit right now. His goodness is for you. His love is for you. Do not allow the lies to be your reality. Allow truth to be your reality today. Lord, we just receive that. Just raise your hands if you want to receive that today. Lord, we receive that. Thank you, God, that you give hope. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that your promises for us are yes and amen in Christ. There is no higher guarantee than the guarantee you've given us for your blessing. We receive your goodness right now. Lord, let hope 
well up in people's hearts today. A hope that the Bible says does not disappoint because it is rooted in the cross, the outrageous, indestructible, eternal, glorious cross. Hope, rise up. Rise up, hope, in the name of Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you just begin to praise the Lord? Rejoice, O my soul. Praise the name of Jesus. Just go ahead. Praise his name. Allow the joy of the Lord to well up in you now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I receive your love. I don't do this in some spiritual denial, denying what my circumstances are, denying how I feel, but I accept the truth that you are good and that your circumstances are different than my circumstances in my life. Your reality is different. I receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And there may be some here today that don't know Jesus and you don't know this hope that's found in the cross. I've talked about the cross and while our eyes are closed, I just want to just tell you the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, which is we are separated from God. And the Bible says we are without hope because of that. But because of Jesus Christ, he has made a way. We have had our sins forgiven, which have been that barrier. And now he has made a way so that we can be forgiven and enter into relationship with God himself and receive that hope that he has for us. And if that's you today, I just want to encourage you while the base camp team comes forward to just raise your hand. Just raise your hand right now. Let me know that this is something that God's doing in your life right now. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? If you're asking Jesus Christ, amen. I see that hand in the back. Amen. Jesus Christ loves you. Maybe you're, you've been far from God, but God right now wants to speak to you and say, come near to me. If that's you, just raise your hand. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we pray for those that are raising their hands. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you that we are saved, not by our works, not by our circumstances, not by anything. We are saved by your grace. It's a free gift. I pray that each one here that raised their hand would receive that gift as they say yes to you. Can we all just say yes to the Lord? Yes, yes Lord. We receive your life today. Before we close, I just want to encourage you to come up for prayer. If you raised your hand to receive Christ, if you're struggling with depression or discouragement, get prayer. That's a good thing. And it's a next step with our base camp team. God bless you. Have a great day today. Amen. We have some joy to look forward to.